Stakes is high. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, look. We back up in the building now. Hey, yo, we about to tear the building down like a 757 on 9-11. Street smart niggas with the wisdom of a reverend. All the eyes stacked against us. We still the ones you should bet with. Shark confess the waters interact your own discretion. Swimming with piranhas trying not to get your flesh beat. Yeah, real podcast for people that's really real. CC and Jones tell you how they feel. Every Wednesday when you hit play, you gon' laugh and learn something from this discussion. We going up. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Stakes is High podcast, a real podcast, having real conversation with real people. And I am Jones. What up, TC? What's good? What's happening, my brother? I am chilling, man. How about yourself? Man, blessed more than I should be, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, we ain't got no... Uh, we, didn't, we didn't get any... No submissions, <laughs> <laughs> But you know what's crazy, man? It. Like, four people told me they know it. I'm like, you right, got right, right. <laughs> to submit yes. it. <laughs> yeah, Jesse, yeah, exactly. shoot, up, shoot us a submission, dog. Too cool for school. That'd be too cool for school, man. So, right. yeah, post man. it on your story. You know, that's that counts. Tag us. Yeah, yeah. If y'all don't want to send it to us, post it on your story and tag us. There you go. That counts as a submission. We'll re- we'll reshare it on our Insta story. Yeah, yeah. It's all good, you know. man. Yeah, man. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. I'm chilling. Uh, you know, got some snow today, baby. I'm out, it's bro. official. <laughs> it's official. Official. Hey, it's for, it's official for Chicago, not Indiana, and it's definitely not official for our guest. <laughs> ain't getting hey, no snow hey. out there. Facts. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's you know. Yeah, man. Anyway. Yeah. I yeah. get real jealous. <laughs> I get real jealous about them over on that side, man. Like, I'm with you, bro. I just, you know, I'll be like, man, what am I doing with my life? You know, exactly. why? What? A, I'm making bad decisions. It's I think I like to think I'm a wise I just, individual. I just, you know what I always say, man. You know the, the quick answer, man. God, God put us in the place we're supposed to. <laughs> that is the fallback. God it's, don't it's, make mistakes. <laughs> but listen, it's the truth. It's the yeah, truth. It's the truth. I, I, it's the I, truth. I ain't gonna, you know. It's the truth. I'm not playing. Gonna, you not can't play, play with the Lord, but, but yeah, I know that's that's definitely the go-to. <laughs> definitely so. Yeah. But Everything yeah, man, happened. good, man. Be careful out there in that snow, man. I know it's coming to us soon, so, you know, yeah. be careful out there, you know? You already know it. Yeah, man. Shout out to James, man. James Joyce, last week's podcast, or last sure. week's episode. Um, man, thank you, brother, for coming through, man. I got a good, we got a lot of good reviews on that one. Um, man, it's just, you know, it's, it's he's out there in Cali grinding, man, getting it, you know, on a political level. So thank thank you, James, for coming through, man. It was, that was on time, man. That yeah. was on time conversation. Good conversation, you know? man. Yep, yep. So, but uh, if they want to hear that episode and they want to listen to it over and over and over again, and if they want to listen to any of our past episodes, where can they find us, brother? At Stakes' iPod. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of our episodes you can find on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or interested in being a guest on the show, please shoot us an email at stakesishighpod at gmail.com. Cheer. 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 
Hey man, we have a guest. We have a guest, and I want to give a huge shout out to Renee, man. Renee, hey, she sent us Anthony Calhoun. She's uh, been a big supporter of the show. She's she she sent us today's guest and also a future guest of ours that we have coming on, man. And she's just you know people that she worked with in her network, man. She she's mm-hmm. riding for the podcast. So shout out to Renee, but uh. Renee was talking to me about uh, a friend of hers, and she was like, I have someone I think would be great for your podcast. And she mm-hmm. started telling me this, this our guest story. I was like, yo, don't say no more. I was like, she <laughs> definitely has to be on the show. Um, you know, and start looking into it. And, man, I, you know, sent the text out, and uh, she responded right away. And, you know, man, is and, and, and did like a lot of people don't do, man. She promoted and promoted before the show even came. <laughs> and that's and that's my fault man so um but yeah man this story I'm, I'm excited to talk to our guest uh this her story is amazing and she has a lot of positive things going on and um yeah yeah let's let's get mm-hmm. to this let's get to our guest we yes. have tanisha offering I say it right? Yeah. Come on now. That's Come on right. now. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's funny, TC? When we first started, she said, all right, how you say your name? And, and it was like, it just called, it's like Theris. And it was like, our mama, our mama did something to us with these names. I just got. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. My daddy did it. My daddy did it to me. My, my name is after a country in Africa, um, in Northern Africa. I heard it's very beautiful. The country of Tunisia, Middle Eastern country. I've never been. Um, don't plan on going anytime soon because they are at war. But I was like, Daddy, what was you thinking when you named me this? I used to hate my name growing up. And I always wanted to put an A in it and say Tanisha because it sounds more like, you know, a black girl's name. Really. <laughs> there you go. But as I've grown and I've evolved, I've learned to appreciate the origin of my name. So. Yeah, likewise with me. The unique. Is unique like me because I'm unique. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I won't. I tell people you'll probably never meet another Theris, and I always tell people, like you, when we talked, I was like, it's like Paris, but just add a th, and you was like, it's like the country. I was like, there we go. We, you know, we gotta <laughs> give people that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give them yeah, something to identify with, yeah. so they can remember. I usually tell. I usually tell the. Uh, I tell the white guys at the gym, just call me T, man. <laughs> uh-huh. You know what's funny is like, like the the white people get it kind of because like. There's a famous song, Night in Tunisia, which is a jazz song that my mm. name is named after. Um, and then people who are familiar with travel yeah, in yeah. Really, you know, the world kind of is familiar. Okay, the country Tunisia is it's my black people. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, I know you said it's Monday. I, when I text you earlier, you was like, oh, time flies. But I, I really do appreciate it. Um, you, you know, taking your time out of your schedule and getting situated to come here on the show for sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And thank you, Renee. Yes, thank <laughs> yeah. you, Renee. I, love, to. I love her. <laughs> I love her so much. She's, um, I was introduced to Renee through a mutual friend when she was working at ABC7 and a friend of mine who's a news anchor there. And she was like, you need to meet her. She's like, kick ass like you, you know, <laughs> this powerful black woman. And I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I need to meet her um, because I'm all about embracing women especially women of color who are doing great things in business and entrepreneurship because i have a platform that supports that yeah and we kind of started following each other on social media and i just love how authentic she was about who she was and she's authentically herself and she's a beautiful positive you know um 
black, strong woman. Yeah, and she doesn't yeah, make no yeah. apologies about it. And I love just how she's just transparent about who she is. And I identify with that. And after following each other for a little while, it's like, okay, well, listen, I got to have you come to my event. I need to honor you because you are doing the damn thing. Because that's yeah. what it's all about. us women uplifting and supporting each other. Yeah, and man. And we just friendship from there yeah Yeah, she has a she has a a very big job and you know with being a a black woman in the field that she in that she's in and just dealing with the different things man she she handles her business for sure she does and she's widely respected yeah Yeah, very much so shout out to renee she i don't think she i think she's scared to come on the show but it's all good. <laughs> just keep keep sending us keep sending us, those, sending us those guests <laughs> you know she's Absolutely. behind the scenes That's yeah powerhouse, but she's like so when i wanted to honor her she was like really i'm like yes girl but you know she likes to be she's strong behind the scenes that's her thing yeah, yeah. for sure for sure so um like I said, she told me she told me a little bit of your story. But before we go into that, I want to I want to know what some of the things that you have going. But before we go there, how are you doing in this in these in these times that we live in? And I, I like to ask our guests that just in a respectful manner, because, hey, man, we need each other to get through these times mentally, you know, and just supporting each other, if, if, which, you know, the support comes from mental and it turns into physical or just bringing each other up. But how are you doing in these times along with COVID and just, you know, in this political this political chaos that we have going on. How how are you doing in these times? So I, I've been a very honest person. I'm not going to lie. I'm struggling. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm struggling with balance. Like, mm-hmm. you know, before COVID, I have a, um, so I, I have multiple businesses that I run. I mean, my everyday business is an insurance agency. I have an, an insurance agency. That's where I make my bread and butter. Um, I'll feed my kids and take care of myself. And then from that, I spend, I kind of created, well, from me becoming an entrepreneur, I created um, a women entrepreneurship platform that encourages, inspires, and uplifts women um, to pursue their dreams in business and in entrepreneurship. So that keeps me really busy, too, like a lot of speaking engagements, mm-hmm. big events that I do throughout the year. And then on top of that, I also have a domestic violence program that I've had for the past 20 years that I run with my mother and we work with victims and perpetrators of domestic violence. So that's also busy. So I simultaneously run all these things every single day of my life and it works. I have a bet into my madness, but I got a serious question about all this right now. And I'll let you continue to go on. How in the world do you do all that and still drive in that California traffic? <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie, like from I live like what five minutes from my office. Oh, you everything good. Has, okay. Yeah, okay. I have like a whole top floor of a of a building. Okay, okay. for all my different offices, and it all runs together. So I'm not driving nowhere. Okay, you good? That's then. how. She <laughs> drives in a circle every single day. There you go. I'm not in traffic. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean blessed. everything kind of like halted <laughs> when COVID started. So. Mm-hmm. um it was difficult trying to figure out, find my balance in this like whole new world of operating. And then I'm also a mother. I still have two school-aged kids at home. Um, so that whole transition was, and it still is a struggle. So I'm, I'm like everybody else. I'm just trying to figure it out like every single day. I yeah. haven't found the balance, but we're working. Yeah, man, continue to, you know, like we do here, we, you know, through us doing the podcast and talking to guests and you know we definitely uh just try to keep your energy you know positive and you know because we I mean we all struggle we talked about this a couple shows ago of just I had like one day I just had to come home and lay down for 30 minutes and just 
disconnect because I was going through it. I'm just like, and I don't even know what it was. I was just mm-hmm. going through it. And, you know, it's just like you said, it's just all this stuff that's going on. Like, you know, you know, 2020 has been crazy. So, you know, just, yeah, we like to. So, so many triggers out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you don't know what they are. You, you know, that's yeah. we juggling so much personal life, professional life, you know, politics, mm. racial injustice. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, you got, you got all this it's stuff. A lot, of noise. So a lot of noise. You could be triggered by any one little thing. You know what I mean? You just don't yeah. know what it is. And so you could just be doing your normal every day and then you in that mood. You don't even know what, what got you there. So for sure. Yeah. For now sure. we're all running around like, Oh my God, COVID, COVID. And then we have this election. Right. And, yeah. and it's, it's scary because this election has brought out so much hate on mm-hmm. so many different levels. I mean, like, I mean, of course, hate against African-Americans and then you got hate against, you know, women. And then you have, you know, um, all this white supremacy stuff going on. Black men just getting shot on top of mm-hmm. everything else that we're, we're facing with this whole pandemic. And, and then you're listening to this crap every single day while you're just trying to somehow find some kind of normal life in everything. Exactly. It just becomes really overwhelming. And I'm not gonna lie, it's like a little bit scary because we don't know what to we don't know what our future is gonna look like. We don't know what to expect at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess, you know, my advice, our advice here at the Stakes is high, man, just keep, you know, keep positive, stay positive, think positive. You need to come on here and, and let it let it vent. We we here we have a platform <laughs> to do it. <laughs> yes. For sure. For sure. So yeah. but um what what made you, with all the, the ventures that you have going on, uh, everything that you've been doing, what, what gave you that grind? What put you in that in that mode to be able to just continue to have all these things going on and just staying focused in it? And what got you there? Well, my story is, is very unique because everything that I spoke about earlier that I have going on was all birthed from a place of like life experience, um, pain. Um, and I always tell people, you know, Pain somehow produces purpose, and everything that I mention is purposeful to me, um, one way or the other. I am uh, a teenage, well, I was a teenage mother. I had my first son at the age of 16, right? And by the age of 19, I had two kids. And being a teenage mom, and so total, I have four kids. I have to explain it because it gets a little confusing. So I have four kids total. Okay. Two of them are now adults, 25 and 23. And then I saw two school-aged ones left, 15 and 7. So you see the time span of my life. And because I started out so early. Yeah, like seeing kinda... you, seeing you, you would never think you would have. Like, honestly, you would have. I mean, seriously, I would never think you had a 25-year-old. Like, man. Yeah, my son cool. is 25. Cool. Yeah, my son is 25. I'm happy I don't look like what I've been through. I, I thank God for that one. Um... So being in the workforce, I quickly realized like I couldn't keep no job. Like that's just the truth. I just kept getting fired all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, right. I can't, you know, one kid gets sick, everybody gets sick. You're struggling with daycare. You're struggling trying to, you know, we're having kids that many age. Everybody's at a different school, a different age range. It's just really for me, I found this to be really impossible. And the last time that I lost my job was during the whole economic downturn, which was what, 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. somewhere around there, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I lost my job. Then right after that, I lost my house. Then right after that, I lost my car. And then after that, the boyfriend left. Like, everybody left. (laughs) It Mm. was like, Tanisha was left with nothing. And I told myself, like, I got tired of starting over, like, of of losing jobs and having to start over. And I had to think, like, there has to be a better way than this for me. Um, 
And I was so depressed because I felt like everything that defined me in my life was taken from me in that moment. And I was sad and, and I had ended up moving home. It was just a hot mess. So I remember like mm -hmm. doing a lot of praying because I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I was trying to apply for jobs and jobs wasn't coming. And it was like, you know, just what do you do? And I remember like a voice and I'm a spiritual person, not religious so much, but like a voice was like, you know, focus on what makes you happy. And I'm like, happy? I ain't happy, ain't nothing making me happy. <laughs> well, I ain't got no car, I don't got no money. I'm living at my parents' house. At that point, I had three kids during that point in my mm. life, you know? And I'm happy, there was no happiness. And during this time, I had nothing else to do right, but like be with the kids. So I started realizing like, I got to get up in the morning and cook them breakfast. We didn't do that when I was working no job, you know? Mm. I got to take my time and actually walk with them in school. I didn't do that when I had a job. I was kicking them out the car in a mommy drive-through, like, yeah, go, hurry, run, because yeah. I got to get to work, you know? So I just realized that I started really just enjoying being present as mm -hmm. a mother, and I realized they was very happy having me present. Mm -hmm. And it dawned on me one day, I was walking my then youngest, at that point, she was five, into school, and they were like, her name is Kennedy. Oh, Kennedy, is your turn to do the Pledge of Allegiance. She was in kindergarten. And I was like, Pledge of Allegiance? And she's up there holding the flag. And I'm crying in the back. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> and hit me in that moment. Like, how many of these moments did I miss with the other two? Mm. You know? Like, I, I don't remember any of those moments or enjoying them ever. Because I was always in a rat race of trying to survive as a single mom, trying to pay the bills, trying to keep the job. You know? I didn't, I didn't get to enjoy and embrace being a mom to them. And that's when it hit me, like, this is what makes me happy. So then the mm -hmm. follow-up question began, like, how do you make this your life? Like, Tunisia, how do you really make this your life? How do you get to be a quote-unquote at-home mom? You ain't got no money. You ain't never had no business. Like, you, you've never done this before. You just, right. uh, you know, a black girl, would know, it was broke. How are you going to be an at-home mom? And um, I just started thinking about what are you good at? And for me, I was a bookkeeper. I worked in Beverly Hills for entertainment companies, and I was really good. I was one of the best bookkeepers. You know, I managed all the celebrities and, you know, all those big people's money. Mm -hmm. So I figured, well, maybe if I can spend, expand myself to a smaller network, like small businesses, then I, maybe I could start something for myself. But I never spoke it out loud because to me it sounded crazy. Um, I didn't want people to ask me questions like, how you gonna do that girl? You ain't got no money. Or how you gonna find your clients, you know? Right. I, and I didn't have anyone else to look up to that I've ever seen do it before in my situation, in my circumstances. So fast forward, I had took a, a temp job. I was happy to get us a little temp job and I was working at a conference. I had no idea what it was. And um, my job was to work a registration table and just, you know, take have people sign in when they come in. And there was happy little, I remember this little white lady and it was her conference and she was like, hey, you know, I'm depressed because, you know, my life is a mess and I'm just, you know, whatever. So I'm sitting here and she was like, you know, I know you're here and you're doing this, but what do you want to do? Mm. And I have like this two, like, it seemed like a long conversation in my mind, but it, it must only been a couple of seconds. And something was like, tell her what you want to do. Now, mind you, I never spoke to anyone and told them that I wanted to start my own bookkeeping business. I never said it to anyone. Right. So I was like, I'm not gonna say it because I don't have a plan. I don't have a website, I don't have a business card, I ain't got a name, I don't have nothing. And so something was like, tell her. And I was like, I ain't gonna tell her. And it's like, tell her. 
And so I said it. I was like, oh, I'm going to start my own bookkeeping company. And she was like, oh, that's so wonderful. And I was like, okay, who are we over? <laughs> so, you know, you know so what, what are you going to, what are you going to, what are you going to do? Uh-oh. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so literally, right when she asked me the follow-up question, people started walking in. So I thought I was in the clear, right? I'm like, yes, people are walking in. I ain't got to talk about this no more. It is what it is. So this conference fills up, it has to be over like about 200 people in there. It was at the convention center. Mm-hmm. And um, she gets up and she gives her spill about who she is. And she introduces me at the back table. And she's like, Tanisha's my assistant for the day. And if anyone's looking for a bookkeeper, make sure you stop by the back table Ooh, because Tanisha has her own business for small business. No, nah, that's the I pressure. Did <laughs> I did not know that that conference was a room full of small business owners. Oh. And the conference I was at was for a a online um, internet marketing company called Constant Contact. Never, I didn't know, had no idea where I was. I had a line of people started getting up out of their seats, walking to the back table. I didn't have a business card. I didn't have a website. I had nothing. I was writing people's names and numbers down on a piece of paper. Paper. And those people are still some of my clients to this very day. Uh, like that I said, and within hey, what? Oh. Less than six months, I moved out back into my own place, and she, she was good, and I, that's Bless what it's been ever since. So let me, let me ask you a question, because I always Man. I always wonder, because I think, you know, I, I had times in my life to where I spoke to God, and he spoke back. Mm-hmm. And I'm always interested, because you said you prayed, and you said you prayed and prayed, and he how did he reveal himself to you and speaking to you? I feel like those quiet moments where you hear or, or something pops into your mind that you know didn't come from you. <laughs> yes. That's God speaking to you. It is. You know, the, the thought of starting a business was, it never, ever, ever entered my mind. Do you understand? Like there was no one I knew that had a business. So it was never thought that I thought that I could achieve on my own. Mm-hmm. So I know that had to come from God because that wasn't my thought. And no one else planted it there. And you was <laughs> hesitant on telling her that, that like and TC said the plug. And it's interesting how like we I always I, I, I say it every podcast almost, but I pay attention to energy, energy, energy. And you followed you just even taking that temp job to where you probably was like, you know what, I'm gonna take a temp job. And it really he put you in all these positions to make you take that temp job. To get you who you are. That's crazy. It's, it's interesting. It's so, it's crazy how God works, man. It is. So, so like, what what was happening? I mean, not to, you know, dig too deep into, like, the past, but, like, what was the issue? What, what was happening with each job? Was it different reasons? It's just each situation was unique to one another? Is it something that was going on personally that... Like, it was what? the same thing all the time. You have too many kids. Listen, I can only, I can only get to work when I can get there, and I gotta leave when I got to Here like, we go. <laughs> okay, got you it. Know, got and it. I was tired, and you know, you, I would say, listen, I have these unique. Like, I can only get here at nine o'clock because I gotta drop off all the kids, and I gotta leave no later than four thirty. Be traffic to pick them all up uh, by six o'clock. And it, it sounded great in theory, right? But at the end of the day, when people need you to work overtime and there's a workload yeah. and, every, and other people mad that they don't get to have that schedule, oh, then yeah. it becomes an issue. Yeah, they hate you know? work always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they always hate it on me. And they probably know? was like, Miss Offray, you can't be late again. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> they complaining. They breathing down my neck over here. They saying, hey, you getting the special privilege. <laughs> hey, they got to work. They got to pull your, they gotta do your, your work after you gone. Yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, I already man. know how that go. Let me tell y'all right. something, and this is kind 
kind of off topic, but kind of on topic, but off topic. But man, y'all know who the people who get the most breaks in in the work world? Who? Cigarette smokers, man. Oh, yeah, that is so true. They always get to take a cigarette break. They be getting like twelve breaks. I'm like, damn. I was gonna say the 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 senior associates. Nah, the cigarette smokers, man. They be getting like thirty breaks, man. Yeah. Any place to like what hour and a half off room? Yeah, exactly. But um, going back to the conversation, um, I want to go back. I want to I want to take it back. Um, this is the the part of the conversation that I. Your story, your story is so unique. And going back to your youngest, having your kid at sixteen, I want to go back there, and um, you know, and, and I want you to tell that story, and just kind of, you know, enlighten the the listeners. The story is amazing. So, yeah, let's let's go there. Yeah. Well, um, when I was sixteen, you know, I have to break it back so you get the full picture. You know, we're from New Orleans, right? Um, moved here to California when I was eight. So I came from a very close, very close-knit family to just me and my my intermediate family moving out here. My parents, we come from a very religious background, right? You know, you go to church, we're holding it, you can't wear no pants. And, you know, you go to church, and I was at church from like nine to nine. You know, I had Bible study during the weekday, choir rehearsal. You was your seven-day Adventist? So... No, I was seven-day, but they were holiness. Okay, you okay. That's a whole nother, okay, yeah, holiness people, that's a whole nother thing. Okay. <laughs> well, when you said no skirts, I'm thinking of Seven Day of Venice. Uh, no, no, we, we can wear pants. We only can wear skirts. I mean, yeah, yeah, no pants. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and holiness. Yep. That's apostolic. What they <laughs> yeah. yeah, all those things, you know. Uh, so um, I was very sheltered, right? Mm. So I get into high school and I was always known as, you know, the cute girl. But I was very reserved because, you know, I was a, a little, good little church girl. And I remember the the most popular bad boy in school decided he wanted me. Uh-oh. And it was like me. And he just would not stop until he got me. And I'm like, the Lord says, no, I can't have <laughs> a friend, you know. And he, he sought me down like my whole 10th grade year. And then finally my 11th grade year, um, I gave in. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go out with, with him. Mm-hmm. And my mother and father, like in my household, it was very loving, right? My mom, my dad still married 43 years. I never heard my dad yell, not one day. I never saw no fighting in my home, nothing like that. So in my mind, you know, me going out with this guy is safe. It's okay. Right. Um, it's a date, like the Disney movies. You know, I, I had no, <laughs> I had no um, understanding of how life worked. I didn't know there was marijuana. There was so much that I just was never exposed to. We didn't really watch TV. So I was very naive in my quest today, right? And so I went out with this guy. My parents allowed me to go out on a date with him. We were supposed to be going to the movies. And somehow, instead of the movies, I ended up in a very, like, remote, secluded area. And um, I live in Pasadena, California. So there's a place called Altadena, which is, like, up in the mountains. Mm -hmm. Never been there. I didn't really know that even existed. Of course, there were no cell phones back then. And I'm still, again, naive. And he's like, oh, we're going to stop at my friend's house. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm thinking a friend's parents is home. Like, my parents will be home. Right, I'm, right. again, just not even my thought process. So we go inside, and I'm still thinking his, fam- his parents are home. And um, I, I remember him calling me into a, another bedroom. And, again, I'm still thinking there's people there. I'm thinking back, like, girl, you was just so slow. But, anyway, I go in there, and basically, um, at that time, I was basically raped. I wasn't get you know I I didn't want I was a virgin didn't 
want to have sex. Didn't even, sex was nowhere on my mind, but clearly it was on his mind. And I was really put in a position where I didn't fight back because I didn't feel like I could, right? What was I going to do? I, mm -hmm. I didn't feel like there was anything I could do. I didn't know where I was and I was kind of in a corner situation. So what do you do? You just say, let's sit there and let whatever happens happen. And from there, um, my son was conceived. And I ended up pregnant with my son at the age of 16. And the crazy thing about the whole story for me now, I go back in time, is like, for years, I didn't even remember what happened. Mm. Like, my, my mind, I guess, from the trauma, you know, after going to therapy, you, you learn these things. The trauma of it all, my brain kind of just shut off. So my body remembered mm. what happened. That would make sense because I would be, like, really tensed a lot. And, and I had different issues um, mm. with intimacy. But... My mind couldn't remember what happened. Yeah, I think that's very mm -hmm. common with rape victims. Um, they talk about how they re remember the before and, and after. Like during, they just just blank out because their mind just goes to, you know, and a lot of times when they're questioned, well, what happened? What happened? Where was it at? Tell me exact. And they're like, I can't it's remember. Foggy. Yeah, it's foggy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, and that was me. You know, it was so crazy. So, for years, I carried this, not really knowing how it happened. All I knew was this happened. I didn't like it. Um, now there's a baby. I had no emotional connection to this baby because Wait. I can't even figure out how this baby got here. So can you know? we, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you a question. I want to rewind a little bit. So that happened, and of course, you had to find out you were pregnant. How did your parents take this? Did okay. was like you know you being raped? Did you report that, or was it what you know what happened there? So, I told my parents, and this remember, and it's it's kind of me working backwards because during all this time when it happened, I didn't for years I didn't remember any of this. Um, I went through like really intensive like trauma therapy, and the trauma therapy kind of brought back the memories, and then I was able to put the pieces together. But this is years, you know. My son's twenty five. Like yeah, I, this yeah, just yeah. all came to my memory literally what a year ago. Okay. Um, and when I did, I went to my mom just recently, like a year ago. I was like, Mom, I remember, and she was like, What? I remember how I got pregnant, and I told her the whole story. She said, Sunisha, you told me that. I said, I told you. She was like, Yeah. So then I'm thinking, like, Well, I told y'all, y'all didn't do nothing. No, that's what. <laughs> So all this, all these years, I thought that they didn't know because I didn't remember. So I thought maybe I never told it to them just a year ago. I realized that I did tell them. Okay. Um, I think my family handled it the best way that they felt they knew how, I mean, again, you know, we were religious, um, abortion. It was not something that we considered and right. I didn't even know it was an option to me. You know, I didn't I didn't know it was. Now looking back on it and, and please don't judge me when I say this, but knowing what I know now, if I would have known then, that would have been an option that I would have heavily considered because to Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you should be judged. I don't think you should be judged by that. I mean, I think if you like you said, you're 16, you have your whole yeah. life ahead of you and mm -hmm. you know, you're dealing with, you know, like his baby now like you know what i mean you right. you still was a baby 16 you know what i mean so there's a there's a lot of women out there with that same you know testimony you know unfortunately this has happened to a lot of women brian you, you know it. this is your you know this is your yeah. business you you work yes. with people in this business now so 
it's, it's, it's crazy how many women have to make that decision at such a young age but it is good that that information is there for them more so now than you know yes. early, you know back in the day you know the access the access is is unlimited yeah, to now. now you know so that's 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 the blessing part of it you said you said you had you know your son was born and you said you had no there was no connection there speak mm-hmm. on that well it goes back to you know like i mean now of course i'm 42 and he's 25 and and i go back and i look and it's like hey, shout out to the 40 year olds tc don't know nothing about that uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, i'm still in my 30s he don't want to he's late I'm 30s just, he don't want to admit it nah, i'm in the middle i'm in the middle no he not after 35 you have you... Over to the there you go there you go yeah it's cool i'm gonna I'm I'm stay with the young bucks for a little bit no, yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh 30 so not, not even a father yet so it's coming man. once that once that once that happened i'll join the club man oh yeah <laughs> well take your time trust me you, <laughs> you have all you have a long way to go with that take your time yep, yeah, yep. yeah but um yeah with my son it, it, it was it was interesting because again i didn't have a clear memory of what mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. um and because of that it made it even more difficult to accept that I'm pregnant, right? And and again, I didn't even know how the baby got there. Like there was never talks about sex in my house. So the only talks we got is the Lord says you don't do it and that's it. So I didn't really know. And then sex ed was not really that big of a thing back then like it is now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was taught as heavily in the schools then as it is now. So there was a whole like a gap of information that I didn't even have available to me. But now I'm I'm carrying this child and my body's transforming. I'm not understanding what happened. I don't even understand how this even happened. And all I know is that I didn't want it. I didn't like it, but I didn't have no choice. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that was fair to me or him to be honest you know what i mean because i didn't ask for it and neither did he um i never but the beauty in all of it for me is like i never looked at my kids especially even my son when he was born like i never saw his dad in him i always saw him for him and i think in my mind i had to do it that way so that i don't hate my own child you know what i mean like i had people thought for years, people say, oh, you're so strong and, and you never talk about being a single mom and you never talk about having the kids. And, I, and the reason why I never talked about it was because I kind of wanted to forget how all of that even happened. And I even I, it was almost like I made myself feel like this baby was here by immaculate con- conception so that I can accept it. Mm-hmm. And that was like the way of hoping. Yeah. And you know what's interesting you say that because there is like this saying in the black community you look look like you look like just your you look like your damn daddy or you know what i mean that whole little look just like in a in a and it's not act usually in a, like you act just like your dad and it's not in a and it's always when you're doing something bad or when you like, <laughs> got a negative connotation to yeah it. it's like damn all right but yeah that's that's yeah. good you 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 took on that role so as he grew um and when when was the turn of like this is my baby and i'm great love him well it didn't stop there because this is so crazy about trauma um because what happened to me no one validated that it was wrong Mm. i thought that that's was supposed to happen so i turned around and went right back to the very person who abused me and raped me had another kid because 
I oh. thought in my mind, well, no one said that this should have never happened to me. No one did it. Like, no one, it was kind of like, okay, this happened. No one spoke of it. It just wasn't talked about. So in right. my mind, I normalized it. So I went back, even though I didn't like it, even though I didn't like him, even though I was afraid of him, I still went back to him because I, in my mind, that's just what you were supposed to do. I have a kid with him now. Um, and my, I see my mom and my dad together. Everyone in my family was always married. You know, there was no teenage pregnancy in my family. Again, I had no one to model this after. Right. So I went right back to the person who abused me and I got pregnant with my daughter. And in that, and I, so I forced myself to stay and he was abusive, um, very abusive on, on lots of levels. And that was my first introductory introduction to relationships to a man. Damn. And it kind of set the tone for how my life went all the way up into just what? Five years ago. Damn. Yeah. Wow. wow. So that's, that's, that's a so, lot. Man. So let me ask you a question, you know, going back to them times, as you look back now, um, is there, is there resentment towards your parents of not protecting you? You know, is that, how does that, you know, you know, what kind of feelings you what's go the, through? Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, what's the relationship? Well, you know, I, I look back, I was very angry for, for most of my life. It, it was always like this dark cloud that people couldn't see, right? Because I'm, I'm really good at, um, I've mastered the art of appearance. But, mm. you know, as long as I could keep it together and make everybody else think that everything's okay, then everything is okay. But in the back of my mind, in the back of my heart, my spirit was always extremely heavy. I was sad a lot. Yeah, and I yeah. did things to, I looked for moments of happiness all over the place, whether it's going out, drinking, partying, just whatever, wherever I could find moments of happiness is kind of how I relieve some of the pressure so I don't have to deal with the reality of anything that I'm dealing with. And that's kind of how I coped throughout my whole entire life. I mean, thank God I never went too far down the spiral like the drugs or nothing like that right, but right. um it was my way of kind of dealing with the pain and i always would tell people people saw me as being quote unquote so strong and she always has it together you know always had the house and the car and then my kids are well dressed and put together but people didn't understand that i was carrying a whole lot of pain mm -hmm. and i would say all the time like one day i'm gonna have a breakdown mm -hmm. i don't know when it's gonna be but i knew it because you can only carry that for so long oh yeah you will self-destruct right. right. and it happened i had a breakdown <laughs> mm. i had a breakdown but um it was well, you know it was much 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 later and that's when i was able to finally take the time to deal with myself and to heal which is so important and that's the message that i now use my life experience to teach the people the healing process the healing journey is the most important journey that you can go on because if you wish you don't heal you will repeat period and that's mm. what i did because my start started out rough that became my normal so mm. i would throw away guys who were nice to me and latch on to the ones who treated me horribly mm. because subconsciously in my mind that was normal that was familiar to me and yeah. i was i was gonna ask what was that what was that you know breakdown experience like because you know as a culture we kind of you know force people to like you know you gotta you gotta hold it together keep that weight on your shoulders you can't you can't show any sign of emotion or i don't mm. care if you're man or woman you know strong strong black man strong black woman whatever you gotta hold it down for your kids you gotta hold mm. it down for you know your livelihood and it's like yeah. even though you know that you you feel a breakdown coming but it's like 
you try your hardest not to get to that point. So what was that point like? You know, when it actually did happen, you. And to piggyback off, and to piggyback off what TC said, his question, you came from a religious family, so the answer was pray about it. That's always. But yeah, but yeah, yeah, but go ahead to TC's question. Yeah, that was a good question, TC. Go ahead. Yeah, that was the answer to pray about. And I did throughout my whole life. I did a lot of praying and my prayers was really just to hold it together. It wasn't, it's so hard to explain because it's like, I was so sad, but I remember, I couldn't remember mm. what happened to me, but I was just always so sad. And I never really knew, again, we don't, we don't talk about depression, right? We don't talk about mental health. That conversation is just really getting brewed up in our community with the past couple of years. Back then, there was never no conversation about go to therapy, go talk to somebody. It was just pray about it. And I prayed a lot. I, I prayed a lot and I cried a whole lot. And But none of it made sense to me. And I look back now and I, I think that everything has its time and its purpose, right? I don't think God allowed me to tap into my past trauma until I had the tools to be able to deal with it. Um, when I did finally have my breakdown, it was at a, a point in my life where I have the tools on how to manage the pain and how to process what happened to me in a way that doesn't cause me to be self-destructive or want to go hurt somebody. Because to be honest, like when that hits you, mm. you are angry as hell. I'm not going to lie. Like, and I'm triggered. Like certain things will trigger me and I will snap the hell off, especially sometimes with, with my family, <laughs> because of course, the sensitivity there, but mm -hmm. I mean, in therapy, you learn that um, there's tools and to be aware of the things that are triggering you and learn how to process the things that's happened to you and not allow them to self-destruct or come out in a self-destructive way. I've learned that, well, I've made peace with everything that's happened to me because it has birthed a purpose for me. And because I did find purpose in everything, it makes it okay. But I think if I hadn't found the purpose before I recognized where the pain came from, it wouldn't have been okay. You understand? Like, I, I know that there's purpose in there. I wouldn't have everything that I've had and I've created had I not had these experiences. So when I look at it from those set of eyes, then it's like, okay, then, then I accept it. I accept it. It is what it is. And I've made something beautiful out of all of it. So let me ask you a question. So you, you um, <clears throat> said you had your breakdown and was therapy what helped you? with realizing everything you know from the breakdown to say okay i have to do something was it therapy or what was it what was it was it something else that you had to do or what was it to get you past those times but the thing is like so after my son and my daughter um it was like five years where i was just a hot emotional mess so when we broke up it was more like, he just woke up one day and was like, I don't want you anymore. After abusing me, you gave me these kids, doing all you've done to me, he just woke up and was like, I don't want you anymore. I packed our stuff up. Well, I didn't pack up anything, to be honest, and dropped me off at the corner of my parents' house. We never saw him again. He does not know his kids. He has never talked to them. They know, don't know, yeah. they wow. don't even know who he is. And that was his choice. And, um, and I was just Man. left. I was left to hold all the pain. It was like, and at that point, I realized, well, you can do this to me and then you can just leave. And then now I have these kids and I have this trauma. And I have all these experiences that I now have to sit with and I have to live with. And there was no one that I've seen who's gone through what I went through. So there was no one in my family. No one can identify with me. 
My mother's been with my father her whole life, right? Like yeah. my siblings, I'm the oldest of them. They had never experienced, of course, what I've experienced. No one in my family. So it was just me. And I had to figure out how to live with this. And then again, you know, my family, you know, you, you just pray. And I mean, and I thank God for prayer because my faith did hold me, you know, take me a very long way in life. But it, prayer just wasn't enough. Like I needed tools. I needed resources. I needed, I needed help mentally um but i do think i do know by the grace of god like i did not completely fall apart but so from that relationship then spiraled i went from there to looking for another man to fill the void because i dealt with shame right i was ashamed i was i lived with shame for a long time because people automatically see you with a kid they think you're a hoe oh this little fast girl she got these kids she must have been out there thotting and bopping it and that was not my story especially at a young so, age like that yeah yeah right. so i right. had lots of judgment lots from the church i'm sure from the church from <laughs> yeah. just people Ooh, around you know people drop the kids off at school they automatically think you a hoe because you ain't got a husband and you young with these kids so I had to learn to deal with the shame of everything I experienced, mm-hmm. um, the judgment of everything that I experienced, and the pain of everything that I experienced. Um, so from that, it led me to feel like, okay, well, maybe I'll feel better if I find somebody else, right? I, I want I want someone else. And so then I meet my middle daughter's father. <laughs> he was, and, and that was not the healthiest relationship either. I mean, he wasn't physically abusive by any means, but it just wasn't a healthy um, relationship. He, he was a guy from the streets and mm. I now realized I chose him because it's protection for me. I felt like I was protected being with him. So do you right? think you, like, did you think that you moved on to the next relationship and you had not healed from the first one? Oh, I did not heal. No. Okay. Not so of course no. your decision-making is going to be yes, way yeah. off, yeah. way off. And I was, I was, I was looking for someone out of emotion and I was trying to feel void. Right. So in my mind, I always felt like I wanted to be protected because having experienced that you always feel vulnerable like you you never feel safe like once you've experienced that you never feel safe ever again like i still don't feel safe to this day so i realized that i sought out someone who i felt like can make me safe make me and my kids keep us safe and i went to him and that was an eight-year relationship that was just it just wasn't a, a healthy relationship yeah but he gave me what i needed at that time which was what safety is what i felt like so then another safety in what way though like safety as in you thought he was a bad boy so you felt comfort there mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like nobody gonna do nothing to me man i wish these girls would. Fi- i wish these young girls i wish these young girls would realize man some of these dudes who act hard and be hard they, they can't fight yeah <laughs> that's, that's what they shoot man they know they can't i'm gonna bust shots and most of them won't even do that before. sometimes so they just right. they just looking hard and you feel safe yeah. but now go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> no but like you know that's what i did and so i went down this trail right so i go be with him and i'm with him for some time and what happened he was much older than me mm-hmm. um very like 20 year age difference so he had no business being with me just oh, so man. you know like i was like 22. Okay, you like 40. But anyway, so nonetheless, <laughs> we were together and, and then I, I ended up having my daughter eight years later. And I grew up and that relationship was like, I kind of grew up. I kind of realized that, no, nah, I don't think this is who I really want to be with. Yeah. <laughs> but it was kind of too yeah. late. You know, now you got three kids in the mix with this situation and he ended up going to jail. Um, he's still there. And, um, but from there is kind of when I became, I would say a, a, a real woman. Like I was about 32 and, I had all three of my kids on my own. I, I was very clear about what I didn't want, but I still wasn't healed. 
I still mm -hmm. was not healed at all. Um, yeah. And from there, I ended up in another relationship. And this last one is what did me in. And that's when I went to therapy because I'm like, I can't do this again. We got to figure out what's wrong. Wait, how, so how old are you now? <laughs> I'm 42. No, 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 no. I'm talking about with this. Oh, now. with the fourth guy. Oh, this, okay, wait. This, the third, third child? Third guy. Third, third, third guy. Third guy, fourth child. Oh, the, oh, yeah. Oh, I was 35. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was 35. And, um... Again, I thought I had it all figured out by then. I had my business going. I was, you know, I had my, just all these things were still in the mix. You know, I was doing big things, having big events. I had it mastered. I knew I could spot out an abuser, a crazy man from a mile away in my mind. <laughs> thinking like I got this under control but what I did was I kind of steered away from dating I realized that I, I never let being too close because I didn't trust myself I've I lost trust in myself in my ability to be able to tell who's a good person who's not a good person so my way of protecting myself was just not to let anybody in so yeah I would date people on the surface but I would not let them I would not let it materialize into a real relationship and so I make this guy you just said something you just said something that was very key and I think a lot of people need to realize this um and you can go back to meeting when you talk about meeting a guy but I think this is you said something that was very very important I read somewhere it was like don't trust nobody but yourself but in reality mm -hmm. there's a lot of people out here who can't even trust themselves you yeah. said that and I'm like you still you have to go through the process of understanding and be able to say yo I trust the decision I'm making. I trust myself because some people, mm -hmm. you could lie to yourself your whole life saying you trust yourself and you keep doing the, you keep doing the, making the same mistake over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I'm, that's, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's man. Some people, yeah. they think automatically you trust yourself. All right. <laughs> no, trusting myself, and I still struggle with trusting myself to a certain degree. Yeah. To this day, because I, I, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a constant struggle sometimes. Like for sure, for sure. Do you sure. trust your judgment? But I'm becoming more confident in being able to trust my ability to be able to tell what's good and what's not good for me. Um, but it, it took a long time to be able to you know to get here at the yeah. end of the day. But trusting yourself takes discipline. Yeah, it does. It takes discipline. Yeah, because somebody be like, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get in shape. It's the smallest thing like that. Like I ain't eat no more cookies. You be yeah. have smashing all them cookies yeah. in your face. That, I can't, that one was I can't personal, trust ladies myself. And <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that one was personal. But uh, you know, it's just small <laughs> things like I'm gonna go to the gym every day and then you just be lying yeah. to yourself. You can't trust yourself, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah. So you met uh, this I'm, new guy. I'm good to hear that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That gym yeah. talk. Yeah. So you met the the met the new guy. Yeah, ooh, Lord, the new guy was like the other two guys on steroids. That's all I can say. Oh, and I tell people, like, God will keep bringing you through the same test until you master it. And that's the important part of healing. That's what I learned this last go around. Like, I thought that I was healed on my own. Mind you, I had never done no therapy. I never really dug deep to figure out what, what was the underlying issues at this point. I still don't remember what happened to me. I just knew I still had these moments of sadness. And then what I would do is I would find things, like I said, instant gratification kind of make me feel happy. It's like a high, right? Like the high, you, you feel great when you're high, but then as soon as the high goes down, you plummet. Well, that's how I was. Like I would find things that made me happy, just even if it was for a moment, just so I could have that high. And then when, yeah. when that thing was over, I would crash. And then I'll find the next thing so that I don't have to deal with <laughs> Whatever you I was, was dealing with 
internally. You were drinking like the Red Bulls of life. You was just getting high at the Red Bull and it just crashed, <laughs> you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was doing. And so I met him and it, again, it was a, it was a quick relationship. It was, he embodied everything that the other ones did. You know, I want you, that's it, bam, you're mine. And all the signs was there that he was crazy but for whatever reason. <laughs> My crazy was what was was normal to me. You know, not being crazy was the issue. Like that you was ran normal. from the normal. And- I ran from the normal to the crazy. So I was like, oh my god, he loves me. Like you know, mm. but he's crazy. And woo, when I said that man took me on a roller coaster of my life, mm-hmm. I cried and I, I said, God, if you can get me out of this one, I promise you, I will do whatever it takes <laughs> to get myself right. And that's yeah. a promise I made to God and to myself. And that's what spiraled me onto my healing journey. I ended up having another child from this from this man. Um, and leaving the relationship was one part, but the, but the the trauma and the abuse I endured after leaving the relationship was a whole nother. I mean, he just would not let it go or let me go. Like my whole life was just terrorized, me and my kids' lives, and it, it was it was crazy. Um, oh, wow. And now that I'm coming out on the other side of it, I really say, you know what, I needed to get therapy for myself and for my kids having experienced yeah, that. Yeah. And we went on this real, this this healing journey that I'm so happy that I took. I found, um, and again, I wasn't trusting of anybody and that trust for myself, I lost it again. I, I didn't trust myself anymore. Again, um, the shame, right, of having yet another kid, a, another crazy relationship and then so late in my life that shame was even worse than the shame that I had in the beginning because right I couldn't say oh I was young and dumb now I feel like I'm old and dumb like are you still yeah. you still you still ain't figured it out you know so then I had that shame so I had all this these negative feelings that was just circling me um and I didn't know what to do with it also though I just wanted to feel better that's all I can remember is like I just want to feel better and whatever it took to feel better, I was willing to face whatever I had to face at that point. And I put myself in a position to be open. And I always say, you know, when you, again, like how I spoke it in that conference and God sent me my my whole business and all these clients that changed my life, it was the yeah. same thing. When I said, you know what, I, I, wanna, I wanna be whole, I wanna heal, I wanna feel better, I wanna do better, I want a better life for myself. Like the perfect person came into my life and She's African-American woman and she came to my program. We were meeting on some business stuff and um, she's a therapist. And I don't know something about her clicked and I trusted her. And I, I, I told her a little bit about what I went through and she just got it. And so she was like, if you let me help you, I have a therapist that I can, one of my therapists, I can refer to you. Mm-hmm. And she introduced me to this woman and because there was trust there, I was open and it made the healing process so much easier. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's still a journey because we're still going, you know, through my walk of life. But it's not easy. People don't realize, like, healing is hard. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, I mean, sometimes it takes people a lifetime, and sometimes they still don't heal over certain situations in their life. Trauma. There's traumas in people's life that they just continue to hold on and continue to mask. And you become an expert at masking that trauma. You know what I mean? You do everything but address it. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of us have those in their in our lives where, especially us as a culture who's always been looked down at, you know, therapy has become more, it's become more of a normalized a novelty now now. like people yeah i go to therapy you know what i mean so i think it's a little bit different today but you know i think people say it and still don't do therapy but 
we we are the i think our culture i think culturally we are and i speak for our culture just because that's what i'm a part of but i think we are the masters at masking mm-hmm. traumas in our life you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, um yeah, yeah you know i want to mean? ask i want to ask a question about you you made a comment about you know healing uh for your children like you, you know you had to make sure you were better for them you know like so what what has their you know experience been like growing up i know you said the first two kids father you know, just disappeared and not in their lives um i don't think you clarify that where the third and fourth i think the third or the third locked child up. locked up yeah fourth you know, I, I, I'm unsure at the moment, but you know, growing, you know, four, four kids growing up without a, a father figure present and in their lives, like how, how has that affected them? You know, father not being there, you dealing with your personal trauma and trying to raise four kids. Like, what did they see? You know, it's funny because now we're having those conversations now that, especially with the older ones, that you know, uh-huh. we're all older and, and they can kind of. Exp- expressed to me their journey because I, I didn't see it through mm-hmm. their eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of things, a lot of times I'll be like, that happened. <laughs> 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 I did what? But I mean, for them, it was, you know, they say, okay, I was able, I was a great provider. I was great at that, but I was not great as an emotional um, support for them mm-hmm. because I turned my emotions off just so I can cope. So I wasn't that lovey, oh, let me hug and kiss you. I was not that mom, especially to the first two. I was not that mother. Mm-hmm. The last two, I became that mom. But again, I was much older in a different place in life. And it's kind of like I just wanted to kind of make up for everything that I, I didn't get to do with the first two. I kind of poured into the last two. But um, I was emotionally disconnected definitely with the first two. Um, I was just always in survival mode. When I say that, I don't mean financially. I mean emotionally and mentally. Every day was like a it was a chore for me not to fall apart. Mm. Like it was deliberate, conscious. Okay, I would wake up in the morning like, like for real, and have these whole conversations with myself. Like you got to pull it together. You got to be that strong black woman. You got to get out here, put your makeup on, get your hair done. You know, get these kids together and look like none of these things ever happened to you. Mm. Like mm. you have to be strong. That's and a job in I, itself. Yeah, that is, that yeah. is. You can only keep that that up for so long. <laughs> yeah. and, and the kids, like I tell people all the time, I think I was a pretty good mother. And they always say like he was a good mom. I, they always provided. We ain't never lived on the street. They never went hungry. They had all the Jordans and all that. I don't know how I did it. The best Christmases I did it. <laughs> so they never had those experiences. But what they didn't have, I feel, was the opportunity to have both the mother and the father kids need two parents and i don't care what anyone says i tell people that all the time now having my experience because there's a lack that's missing when the other person's not there Mm -hmm. and i especially talk to women um especially with the program that i deal with you know if if the man is a great father don't deny him of being a father to your child because you can be a great mom but you can't be a great father you don't know how to and i told that to my kids a long time ago i was like i could be a great mother, but I don't know how to be your dad, and I'm not going to apologize for that because I don't know how to do that. Right. You know, and if I can go back in time, would I have wanted it to be different? Yeah, I would have wanted them to have the experience of having two parents in the household because I could see that there's things that they don't have that I wish they had, like you know, um, like with my son, the guidance of of having a father in the home. I mean, he did have my dad. My parents took on an active role. It was a tribe. I'm not going to lie, that helped me 
you know, with the kids. I didn't do it all by myself, but it, that's different to have a grandfather versus a father, right? Mm -hmm. And then with my girls, it's like, I see the disconnect because they don't have, I noticed that like, especially my 23 year old, she has her own struggles with men, you know, having her own healthy relationships. Like, it's kind of like, I don't feel like they quite know how to um, have a relationship with the man because there's just never been one around. And then my middle daughter, She's awkward too with boys because she's, you know, <laughs> she or her dad's never been there. So yeah. that makes me sad that that they never had that experience like I did growing up with my father. But mm. I've learned that, you know, it just is what it is. I tell them all the time, like, you, you don't don't become um, a product of your circumstances. You know, rise above your circumstances and, and you can find what you're looking for in other places. You might not have been able to have a father, but there's someone in your life who, that's a man, you know, who do love you like a father, and that's their grandfather. Yeah, so I just yeah. try and key in on those important aspects, but I see the lack there in different ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm watching it play out now, not that you're older, I'm seeing it. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think you know, one of the things that I, that I kind of realized, like, you know, my mother had me at 18, like, I had to grow with her. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And with her, like, and I mean, grow with her as she was a teenager and I'm a kid. So I'm having to go through the growing pains that she's going through from a, a teenager to an adulthood. You know what I mean? So, but one of the things I think, like you said, you, you make sure you hustle to give your kids what you want. So their kids probably know how to hustle, but you lack the yeah. balance of love to yeah. where now they have to try to figure that out. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. 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 Um, I have a question. Um, you talked about you went to get help and you've gone to therapy. You've you've realized still going, still going to therapy. <laughs> yeah. And um, one of the things I do ask and uh, we, we, we had a we've had a podcast about this a long time ago. But um, have you forgiven your 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 the, your, the fathers of your kids? Have you forgiven them? you know that's so I, I i'm not gonna lie i had like a breakdown like about two weeks ago and i was like you know it's so hard to heal when you know that the people that hurt you will ne you'll never get an apology and they'll never acknowledge it so you're left with the pain you're left with the scars to figure it out by yourself but you'll you'll never get it i've made peace with the fact that i'm never gonna get that from them does it make it easier to accept no um is it hurtful? Yes. But it's just the reality of what it is. Like, I tell people all the time, like, that. I think that's the, it's so much easier to heal if someone can acknowledge, yeah, I did that to you and I'm sorry, right? Then, mm -hmm. then it makes it easier and it validates your pain. Mm -hmm. But it's so much harder to accept the pain when the person who inflicted the pain on you won't validate it for you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and none of them will ever validated they still to this day you know I, I still have to deal with two of them and it's difficult because in their mind they didn't do anything wrong of course you know it is what it is but my experience is my experience and I've learned that again this is when it comes back to trusting myself right mm -hmm. I'm trusting me and I'm trusting that what I experience is what I experience that's it's my story it's my journey and I don't need um, approval from you to tell me that what I went through should have never happened to me. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, forgiveness is hard. Um, it is. it's hard, but you know, 
one thing we've gone through, you know, the, the we've talked about this. I don't know, maybe episode we're at two hundred and whatever. This may have been Bro. episode one hundred and fifty, but we Man. talk about forgiveness and we talk about how, you know, um, forgiveness is for you. Mm-hmm. You, you you're going to have to forgive them, and they may not ever know it. You may not even tell them you forgive them, but it's just for you and to heal from. When that name comes up, it's not going to bother you. When you mm-hmm. see that yep. picture or you see that face, you're like, oh, well, you know what I mean? That forgiveness has to come from you. And you may never have to say, I forgive you. You may not have to say everything. You just forgiving them for yourself. You know what I mean? So, your own yeah, healing. Yep. Your own healing. So, um, I think and what I've people ha- don't realize is that forgiveness is not like, I hate when people, just like healing people go, oh, okay, you're healed. And all of a sudden you just wake up and everything is better. No, it's a practice it's that you've got to practice yes. every single day of your life. Yes. Because yes. every single day I have to make a choice to forgive these people. Like <laughs> exactly. literally every day. It's not like, okay, I forgave you one time and it's gone. It's like every day I have to make a choice to say yeah. that I'm going to move in my healing and I'm not going to go back to my pain. Like it's, it's a, it's a everyday practice that you have to practice doing. It's not like you magically wake up and all of a sudden all the pain and hurt is gone and you'll never feel it again. And that's the part that I think people get so, so discouraged about in the healing process, right? We get this false narrative that, okay, you go to therapy and you forgive them magically. It's like nothing never happened. No, because there's going to be things that are going to happen in your everyday life experiences that will bring up triggers that will remind you of what you've experienced. Yeah. And if you don't have the, the tools to discipline the act of forgiveness every single day or the act of healing every single day, mm-hmm. then you will go back to that place of pain and you'll get stuck there. So it's a practice. It's a journey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember going to like some of the um, the drug classes my mom had to go to the a not well it wasn't alcoholic because it was drugs whatever it was but both i think aa this for drugs and alcohol i think but anyway i remember like that the 12 step program that they have to have to go through and have to learn and everything like that but i do remember one like those few times i had to go and sit through those classes with her i do remember like when they talk about people who have substance abuse and we say this a lot well, substance abuse is always something that's always, it's like, it's day to day. You ask someone, how are you doing? It's day to day. But we never put that in a mental place to where, like, people who are who are recovering from mental health issues, like, yo, man, it's day to day. And like you said, Tanisha, you said that people think, like, okay, you healed, you went to therapy, you're good. Nah, dog, this is a day to day thing. I have to work on this every day. You know what I mean? Every so, day. yeah. And yeah. then you have to forgive yourself when you don't get it right because some days don't be good no, some days yeah. i might respond to the yes you know that some of these that these fools like to bring back up <laughs> you know and then i gotta make it a constant okay like okay you guys didn't let's rewind and let's let's try this again so yeah it's it's a it's a practice and yeah. I, I want us to take the the false narrative off of it like i hate when people go oh you just you know you go to therapy you have 12 sections and magically you're better as though your experiences never happen. Your experiences have already happened. They're with yeah. you for the rest of your life. And for right. the rest of your life, you're going to practice on how to handle them and how to deal with them because they don't go. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's talk about these businesses. Let's, let's get, let's get on a song. Let's get to some happiness and some of the positive things that you're doing with these businesses, uh, and some of the ventures that you have, especially, I want to talk about the domestic violence one. Um, how, how did that, how did that get started? And what, what, of course I know your experience in the past, but 
uh, what was your journey with with developing your program? So the crazy thing, so Shepherd's Door was created for my mother um, 20 years ago, and it was from her seeing and watching me go through what I was going through in my abusive relationships with the first kids, fathers. She was so angry by what happened to me and what she kept seeing happen to me over and over again that she needed to turn it into something that was positive. She's always been a really big um, community leader. And she realized that not just my daughter, but other women are experiencing this. So she started Shepherd's Door kind of as her way to turn her pain and her anger into something positive. I joined way later because you have to remember I was still embarrassed, right? So even though Shepherd's Door was kind of birthed for me, I didn't want nobody to know that. I was still trying to pretend like ain't nothing ever happened to me. Mm. So I was mm. a part of it, but not really. Like I would come and support things, but I wasn't vocal about my experiences. And what, how things come so full circle is that after this last you know, relationship that I spoke about, the one who just finally just made me just run for mercy, uh, <laughs> um, mm. I, I kind of threw myself into Shepherd's Door and it became part of my healing process because mm. by me, surrounding myself with the women every single day who have lived what I've lived, it validated for me that this didn't just happen to me. And then it took the shame off it because I realized it wasn't just me and that there's nothing yeah. just wrong. This can happen to anybody. Yeah. The most powerful women, the most smartest women, the women with the most money, like black, white, Asian, it can happen to anyone. And slowly but surely the, the shame of it all started falling off of me and I became more and more vocal and more and more involved. And from there, um, I started teaching classes and nice. classes and I teach even teach classes to batterers. Um, and and I speak publicly about it. So it helped me to heal. It's like a big part of my healing process. But that's crazy years later. Yeah, yeah, I was just yeah. about to say that big of a, it, it took that much time from the from the point of your initial trauma to now to find your community, which is what was your, you know, your issue is your first trauma. Like, you know, it kind of just being brushed off. You don't have anyone to talk to about it no one to relate to and so you kept going back to those same familiar situations and it kept you in that cycle until you found a community that you could relate with you could talk about these issues with you can help others through it they can help you mm. and then yeah. that that became a big part of the healing and that's that's crazy yeah, but you know it, and you know what's you know what's um uh it's interesting you say that because when you when you're able to relate to people and it's it's almost like you get comfort you you get comfort you get a place of of like okay I'm good now you know what I mean and and like you said it goes back to trusting yourself and you know what I mean going to that to, to that place of like you know what you know I can I can speak on this now and then it just helps you heal even more you know what I mean well, so. I, I shared this really quick story since we love talking how things come full circle so the day that my last court case had ended with my the last ex the the youngest child's father. Um, and that whole, just the trauma that came from that was like a 10 compared to everything else. And I, and I remember, um, I had got a phone call out the blue here to Shepherd's door and I happened to be here and I answered the phone and the woman was like, you know, I'm doing this event and I'm, I want to, I want one of your, your people in your, one of the women in your program to come and speak about their, you know, their journey, um, in domestic violence. So, you know, me and this woman just started conversing back and forth and I'm thinking of other clients that I can recommend and my story somehow, I can't remember, ends up coming up in the conversation. So at the end of the conversation, she says, you know what? 
I called here because you're supposed to be the person that should be speaking at my event. And I was like, me? And she was like, yeah, you. And I'm like, and mind you, I I do, at this point, I never spoke on a big public platform, right? She had like 200 some people there about it. I would only talk amongst my group with these women in the program. So it was a safe place for me, right? That was a safe place for me to share and say, hey, I'm one of you guys and not be judged. So I was like, okay. So I thought about it. It's, again, that little voice said, do it. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, and, and my way of coping with things is to forget about it. So I decided I'm going to forget about it. And this may have been like a month before my final court date. So I didn't even know that my final court date was going to be this date. Before, you know, I had, I had agreed to this prior to that. So the funny thing is that my final court date was the day before I had to speak on this major platform oh. about, my, about my experience. And I remember the, the morning of, I was mad at myself, like, Tunisia, I'm curling my hair, I burned myself, because I was mad, like, why did you agree to do this? this is stupid. Everybody's going to think you're crazy, because you remember, like, on this platform, I was supposed to be authentic and tell my whole story. My mm. mother never heard my whole story. Do you understand? Like, mm. people in my family did not know my whole story. They knew something happened to me. What happened in that? They No one ever heard it. Mm. And so I get to this event, and I'm talking to myself in my mind, like, this is so stupid. I'm standing in front of all these damn people and tell them how stupid, you know, I've been for all these years, you know? So before, so I still didn't know what to expect um, at this event. And so the way they had it set up is before each speaker, the, the topic was, it was called a space for grace. Mm-hmm. And, um, and before I got up and spoke, they had played a video and a song that represented me and my journey. And it was an NDRE song. I have to remember the name of it. But I remember crying like a baby mm-hmm. because it did. It represented me like, you know, going through all this adversity and then coming out and, and being this, you know, this strong woman. And when I got up there, I just let it all out. And I told my whole story, like I'm telling you guys from beginning to end. Man. And my mom was shocked because she didn't even hear all of it. And I felt so free after I did that. And I was like, okay, I got to get out of here before people see me, you know? (laughs) And then she was like, no, we got to do a panel discussion. I was like, panel? Like, I got to ask, you know, talk to people about this? Yeah. So we broke out into groups. And they said, go with the woman who you most identify yourself with. Do you know the majority of all the women came to me? Mm. My section was so big because they wanted to talk to me and they were touched by my story and my journey. And it, it gave them healing and purpose and strength and and that moment is when i said i will never be silent about nothing and i will never ever feel ashamed of anything that i've ever went through ever again and i haven't damn that's dope that's amazing and now you're here that's amazing. now you're here on the stakes aside <laughs> and now, now you're telling more <laughs> yeah so um real quick and um i want to talk about the um uh the women wealth warriors but before before we go there I know your mother's I know you said your mother was the founder of um Shepherd Shepherd Door. Shepherd's Door, yeah. Shepherd's Door. Um do you think that was a way of her uh trying to heal what like her lack of or whatever her absence of the your first you, you know what you went through in your first situations with your first two kids was that her you think that was her way of healing? A hundred percent. I think, you know, I look back now and I think that my parents made the best decision based on the tools that they had at the time. Right. Like I said, it wasn't something that was back then widely talked about. Is that something that was heavily in my family, present in our face that we that we've experienced. So I think when it when it happened to me, no one knew what to do with it. 
you know, like, Absolutely. oh my, like no one knew what to do with it. Nobody knew. And, um, and yeah, as a child, you're like, oh, I want you to protect me. Like, yeah, part of me is like, I still don't understand why this nigga's still living. I'm just saying, like, why is he still here? But, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but at, the, yeah. at the end of the day, like, I just don't think that they really knew how to deal with it, how to process it, what to do with it. And they did the best and they made the best decision for me based on what they were capable of doing at that time. And yeah. that's something that I do make a conscious decision to accept every single day is, is mm-hmm. knowing what I know now, if, will I go about it that way with my kids? No, but I do understand that, you know, that's, that's, that's what they chose and it is what it is. Um, I think it has helped her to accept and to find purpose also in what she's watched me experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps us both heal. And I do know that what I've gone through and continue to go through, my mom has always been there. I gotta give her, she's been my ride or die. She's been there through all of these horrible relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And we all, I think, are finding our own ways to, to heal with it. Because it didn't just devastate me, it did devastate the family in its whole entirety. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things that you just said was very, very, very important. Um, anytime, anytime we go through trauma and it's caused from someone else, or uh, our trauma is the lack of responsibility someone had that caused the trauma, right? I think what happens is sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't realize they don't know how to do what you're expecting them to do. Exactly. And we think, and especially when it comes to parents or if it comes to grandparents, we automatically think these people, and I and I, I realized this when I had a kid, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, there's no book on how mm-hmm. to raise kids. There's no, you go off a lot of times, guess what you go off of? You go off how you were raised. Exactly. And that ain't always the right way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you look at certain things that happen in people's life, you have to step back when things happen to your life. You have to step back and be like, damn, did they even know how to handle that situation? Like you said with your parents. Now, here's a key, a key point to all of what I'm saying. They may not know how to handle it, but they see the pain. So if I see pain in someone's like my kid's life, even if I don't know how. There's something that you said she had to figure out how to do. She had to start doing things to heal and figure out how I can be a better mom or a better dad to you. So it's no excuse because they don't know how. I don't know how. It's not an excuse all the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to learn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> you better learn yeah. how to be. <laughs> no, so. I mean, I had to learn, like I said. I mean, I had, I had kids and I, I had a son and didn't even realize how I got pregnant. It was like, well, I, I, didn't yeah. even, I legit did not remember mm-hmm. what happened. I just felt like I woke up one day and had a baby. Like, um, and I had to to learn, even with that, like, even though my son and my relationship is not, I'm not gonna lie, like, it's not the, to say he's my only son, I would like us to be closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I accept it for what it is because it's not his fault either, right? Like, he didn't ask to be brought into the circumstance that he was brought into. I mean, he's closer to my mother, but she took on more of the emotional support for him than, I, than what I was able to give. But then I also had to forgive myself and say, well, Tanisha, you didn't have the tools. I didn't have the tools to be his mom. I didn't have them. I you couldn't give him what I did not have. 16 years old. I didn't have them. So, and he had to grow with you. It's tough, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah and, and, and I tell, you know, I just had to have a conversation with him not a little while ago. And I was like, 
because he was like, I, I feel like you don't care about me. And I was like, no, not true. But I realized that's where that disconnect coming from growing up. You know, it may have appeared to him growing up that I didn't care because I was emotionally not invested in my relationship with him as, as his mother. Yeah. Um, and that's how it, it, it transpired on his side. You know what I mean? As though I didn't care about him. So we, I realized I can't go back in time and be his mom in that time again. But what I can do is build a new relationship with him that's and it. get to know him as the man he is now when he also, you know, has to forgive me and, and we build something new, but you can't go back in time and change the nah, past. Because honestly, honestly, the first woman that we, as men, the first woman that's supposed to love us is our mother. Yes. And we learn love from our mother. Yeah. We learn, emo you know, we yes. learn that from, like you said, a father teaches you a certain type of love, but that woman's touch yes. of love is from your mom. That's the first person that, and mm -hmm. you went through a time to where you didn't know how, you were 16, you were uncertain, you were insecure, you were all these spent. things. Yeah. And why his, why he, grandma, she knew how to love. She knew how to love, yep. Yep. She knew how to yep. she was come here, baby. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah she was available. Perfect yeah. work. She was available. And I mean, and I thank God for that. Like, I tell people all the time, you know, I have great kids. Like, they don't get in trouble. You know, they're very smart. They have their own businesses, each one of them. You know, even my 60-year-old just started her own little business. See, they know you know, hustle. So, yeah, they got my hustle. They 100% got my hustle. 100. But my mom gave the love that I just could not in that emotion that I just could not give. And so yeah. I tell people all the time, I co-parent with my mama. Yeah. You know, people still take a village, man. Hey, you know, you, you know, a lot of people, boy, especially a lot of men, they die for grandma because grandma was the one that's giving them that love. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. yeah. And before we go, I know I know you got to go and we've been going a long time and we thank you for this, man. This has been great conversation. But I do want you, I do want to talk about the um, the the women, the women wealth warriors and just kind of how that was founded and what's that about. And then and, you, and I want you to tell everyone where they can find, you know, f find you and all your social media and all your platforms. So yeah, Women Wealth Wars came from that story I told you guys originally of how I started my business. And um, by me starting a business and it, it being successful, a lot of women, especially um, African-American women, will come to me and be like, how'd you do that? You know, like, what do you mean yeah. you don't have a job? Like, you know, I, I get to drop my kids off, go home, make a latte and sit down and chill and watch TV <laughs> and then do my work. You know, like it, it just wasn't, it wasn't seen, especially like now the women entrepreneurship thing is big, but back when I was starting out, it wasn't something that was so heavy, especially in the African-American community. So um, a lot of people would ask me to mentor them. I didn't have the capacity, nor did I want to, because another way of me coping was not talking to people. I didn't like talking to people, I had to. I still kind of got that a little bit though. And so I started to write this platform and I was like, you know what, I'll do a workshop once a year. No, I said, I'll do a workshop one time and I'll tell everybody what to do, right? Yeah, and then I see yeah. and I'm done. So I did one, and to my surprise, I was 100 people showed up, uh -oh. and it was women from all nationalities, all ages, all everything, and I was shocked. Mm -hmm. And we, we had this workshop, and I thought it was a one and done. I had no intentions on continuing. Mm -hmm. And every that year, demand. literally, like, they will push me. Are you going to do it again? You going to yep, do it that again? That demand was there. <laughs> and yep. now it's gone like 11 years. It's grown so big. Um, wow. I've had the, the opportunity to honor so many phenomenal women. I've had the opportunity to interview so many women and their stories inspire me to keep doing what I'm doing. 
And it's all just about encouraging and uplifting each other. And I, I think it makes a big difference because I want to give women what I didn't have, right? I didn't have an example. I didn't have an example of how to be me. I had to do it, figure it out all by myself. I had to carve my own path. So part of my reason for doing it is that I want to give people what I, what I didn't have. And that's an example that you can turn anything into something beautiful at the end of the day. And you can have whatever life you want to have, not the life that someone told you you're supposed to have. And that's where it all comes from. That's dope. That's dope. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah, man. Where can they find you? Where can they find... Uh, we, we will have you tagged on yes. all our social media, but before, but where can they find you? And if they want to get in contact with you, if they want to be able to relate, they relate to what you're saying and they want to be able to just say, hey... What can yep. I do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So all of my social media handles are simple. It's my name at Tunisia Ofray. Um, and Women Wealth Warriors is my website and also my Instagram, Women Wealth Warriors. And yeah, it's easy to find me on social media at Tunisia Ofray. That's it. That's it. There's only one Tunisia Ofray. <laughs> yeah, it is one of one. Yeah, man. It means none before it and none to come. <laughs> Who is that? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, we thank you, man. This has been a great conversation. We thank you for, you know, um, you being transparent and, you know, just talking and, you know, uh, you know, hopefully this inspired someone, you know, and that's one of the reasons not only to help cross promote and all that you know that's very very important that we want to cross promote you put us on your social media that's cool and all but we do this not only you know to 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 promote and you know black excellence but we also want to be able to have this platform to inspire someone have individuals out there be able to say yo i went through the same thing I'm not the only person dealing with this, just like COVID. You ain't the only person dealing with it. We are dealing with this, you know, wanna, but there's, there's some resource. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we want to like, be a resource. And some people out there, some of the, some of the stories, most of our stories, hey, man, somebody can relate to that. Mm -hmm. You know what yes. I mean? So yep. we, we, we definitely appreciate that. You coming through. And you know, man, like like I always tell people, you family now. So Aww. yeah, you family. You got to come back. We're gonna we're gonna be you know the next big thing you're doing. You you family, and you always have a platform here to be able to express yourself and promote and do whatever you want here at the Stakes is High. Well, I have sure. to say, guys, thank you so much. You know, this is uh, some of the things we discuss is not easy to talk to, especially to guys. I'm not gonna lie. And I just thank okay. God that you guys are both, you know, so open-minded and not, you know, and not judgmental and that you open your platform up to talk about issues that a lot of women are experiencing. And it's a safe place to be yourself and to be transparent. So, yeah. Yeah. And one thing I do want to say, one, yeah, thank you. For, I really appreciate it. And one of the things I do want to say of, of having someone who has a patchy relationship with their mother. And one of the things I do commend you on is continue to try, continue mm -hmm. to try. He, he, you know, <laughs> He, he again it's it's a trust thing it is yeah you know what 100%. i mean and um yeah just keep trying just sh just show him that you just stay consistent with trying yes. <laughs> you know yes. what i mean that's, i mean that's It'll... all we can do at the end of the day you know yeah. and yeah, i always yeah. tell my kids i'm like one day i think i didn't understand my parents and so i started having kids right just like you said now that you're a parent you know we see things mm -hmm. through a different set of Absolutely. eyes <laughs> now or in the same situations or we we get to be parents ourselves and like there's no rule book to this thing and 
And that doesn't mean we'll always get it right. I don't mean we'll always get it wrong. But as long as I feel your heart is in the right place, and I, at the end of the day, that's what anyone will see at the end of the day. And as long as my son knows that I love him and I showed it the best way that I knew how with the tools that I have, I think everything at the end of the day will always, it will, it will come together. In its own time, it will come together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we thank you. And we appreciate you coming through. And thank you, Renee. Um, man, you gave us another home run episode with this guest. We really, really appreciate you. And yes, yes. yeah, yeah. And TC, they want to listen to this episode over and over and over and over and over again. And they want to listen to any of our past episodes. Where can they find us, brother? At Stakes is High Pod. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of our episodes you can find on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or interested in being a guest on the show, please shoot us an email at stakesishighpod at gmail.com. Cheer. Cheer. Any last Cheer. words? Uh, Tanisha, or yeah, TC? Who, uh, I, ain't, hey, I ain't got nothing, man. Right. I ain't got any nothing, last man. words? Oh, we don't have any last words. Okay, good. No, I have some last words. Well, I would just go say, ahead, go ahead. There we go. Yeah, you take it. Best version of yourself. That's all I tell everybody there every day. Go. Every day, wake up, come with and be the best version of yourself. Put your best foot forward and be the best version of yourself that you can be that day and practice that every single day. There we That's go. It. There we go. Right. And and if you are having any any um, issues, you know, mental health issues, um, just like just like drug abuse, man, it's day to day. You have mm. to heal even if you you felt like you're over today tomorrow it's another journey and it's another battle continue to fight it and you know man and pray about it and you know stay strong keep your energy good all right yeah all right everybody thank you for listening to the stakes is high podcast peace peace thank you